myself again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn your love back And it's all in the past Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters Cricket Special, where tonight we're going to do two hours of England cricket and uh, talk about there's, the... Um... There's no else to talk about at all. <laughs> well, I, I, want, I want to know why Steve Steve surprises me every week. He's now, he's got some kind of disguise on. Steve, do you care to explain what you're wearing? I've, I've, I've been busy this afternoon. I've been busy. Uh, I've been mole hunting. There's a mole in town somewhere and I've been out looking for it. So I had to dress up. I had to, I had to keep on incognito looking for it. I suggest everybody else does exactly the same because there's moles all over the place. Honestly, there's a there's a mole wandering around any one and also any twelve at Benton. So I thought I found him. I thought I'd found him. I, I found this guy at Benton, uh, Monty. So I had a quick word with him, and uh, Monty went, "Well, it's either him, Monty, or it's him, the mole." <laughs> so I'm not sure which. So at the minute, I'm gonna I'll be passing this on to Steve Bruce later on tonight because he's obviously not staying at the with the club with the players tonight. He's he's doing other things. But uh, it's looking good. It's looking good so far, Steve. You know, I'm I'm expecting a big exclusive from Luke Edwards about it later on in the week, uh, and we'll catch this guy. We'll catch him. Don't worry. Unbelievable, well, Jeff. What I heard, Stevie, is that the mole had been active until recently, but Steve Bruce gave him a day off. That's right, he did. I even four days off, actually. <laughs> unbelievable, lads. Unbelievable. What a week it has been at Newcastle United. Nothing ever, ever surprises me with this club, though. And um, it's been a car crash of a week for the football club. It really has. One, we've lurched not just from one um, bad news state to the next. We've learned we'll lunch from one disaster to the next. And Steve, I, I, I don't know where to start. I, I, I really don't. I mean, let's 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 I suppose start with the mole story because you put a lot of effort into the opening there um uh, i mean i've never i've never seen a fallout as big as this i mean craig hope got a, an exclusive it has to be said and you know craig's got his finger on the pulse it's not the first time he's done this it'll not be the last he's a credible journalist and um you know the club had no other choice i guess to come out and admit that his story was true um but what what do you make of that whole situation from start to finish? Just just absolutely amazing. I mean, obviously it, it it started on Saturday, didn't it? When Bruce threw a number of players under the bus because of the of, of the goal, and I'm sure we'll go into into what went wrong, what could have happened, what should have happened, what did happen, and why we ended up in the situation that we is later on. But for him then to come out on Saturday night and throw him under the bus like he did, um, not just. You know, it's one of those things that you would have expected. You know, it, it, it happens all the time, doesn't it, on the pitch? You know, you, you players make mistakes, etc. And and this was a this was a big one, you know, by all accounts, according to Bruce. Um, but for them to come out straight after the match and, and actually pinpoint the blame at a, at a number of players, and then to subsequently find out on when Craig broke the story that Bruce then almost ran away from the issue. Having having done that, he ran away from from wanting to talk to uh, to Richie about it. And I think Richie, uh, according to Craig, he rang him up on the way home and he said, we'll speak on Tuesday, we'll speak on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, obviously that festered with, with, with Richie and probably one or two others um, who were named. And uh, then they had the day off, you know, that, that Sunday off. And, and they had Monday off as well. 
And then for the for the coming on Tuesday, and uh, and then to be you know halfway through training to be told uh, the boss will see you now, uh, and that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because he wasn't even on the training pitch himself; he was in the office, and he and he kind of like it was it was almost like headmastery-ish. Um, Ian and I know what it's like to be dragged into the headmaster's office, don't we, Benton? <laughs> so, so we we know what we knew what was coming, and uh, I think uh, if the truth be known, I think one or two of our classmates would have told the headmaster exactly the same as what Richie told them, which was <laughs> you can get stuffed in other in other colloquial terms, um, and then it all kicked off the, the orgy bargy, the pushing, the chest out, you know, the the remonstrating. Um, from what I've heard, and I'm, I'm sure Mitch has heard very similar, it it, it, it devolved into or created a, such an issue that there was a number of players involved. It wasn't just uh, it wasn't just Richie. I, you know, I understand Gail was involved. I heard that Carol was involved. Yeah. Um, you know, I've heard I've heard also that uh, the, the, the long staffs were involved. I've heard who else? It was it was Steve Harper. Um, it was uh, Steve Agnew. And so you put all of that together and you realise this wasn't just sort of like one person going up to another person and having a little bit of tete-a-tete -tete on the on the touchline during a during a training session. This was an awful lot more. Um, and then to hear Craig's version on TalkSport <laughs> yesterday, I think it was. But then at half past 10 this morning to hear Steve Bruce come out on TalkSport and say, you know what, everything that reporter said was true. That was like a revelation in itself. And then to describe the reporter um, in the manner that he did, which was basically saying that he was a troublemaker, he was out to get the club, he was always going to pull out stories um, about Newcastle United that were to the detriment of the club. Um, and that was totally wrong because, let's face it, Craig Hope's been, he's been, he's been a Newcastle United fan since he was five-year-old, you know? This is, this is a lad steeped just like you and I in, in, in black and white. And then to turn around and say, at one at one point, I think he was asked by by Jim White um, what they were going to do, and he said, "Look, there's a the, the mole in the camp. You know, it, it, it's treasonous. It's a traitor. It's treasonous." And then to say when he was asked, "Well, will you be holding an inquiry?" No, no, we've got the most important game of our life coming up, but it's treasonous. And it was like he wanted to talk about. It. He's telling me he didn't want to talk about. It. They did want to talk. About it. I think the guy is is pretty close to a breakdown. Be perfectly honest, because everything I'm seeing from that, I think he needs a therapist. I think he needs help. I think he needs someone to take his arm around, put his put their arm around him, and say, "Steve, how are you, mate? We need to think about this. We need to sit down and talk about it. And when we, we, we need some therapy here, because you're getting yourself in a, a mess time and time and time again. And you've been in the game for twenty years, and this is probably the worst you've been. He's and never we need mentioned that, like, sorry." He's never he's mentioned never, that. He's never mentioned his twenty years, has he? <laughs> but you know what, Steve? It's this is. You're right. It's it's been a car crash, and it's continuing to be a car crash. And at the same time, we've got we, we lost another two points at home, and we've got, as he said, as he described, the most important game so far in in our in our in our season coming up against of all people, Sam Allardyce on Sunday at twelve o'clock, away from home. And, and you think, and you know what Allardyce is wanting to do. We've said for a long time that the players needed to look at themselves, and, and quite rightly because of some of the performances. They have picked up. We can't deny that. Um, but it is a massive, massive big game. And this is more than a distraction. This is absolutely massive, Steve. Yeah, well, it is. It's huge. Uh, Mitch, your take on the, 
on the Steve Bruce Matt Ritchie barging into each other uh, side show that we've seen this week? Once again, he's trying to take with our fools and insult our intelligence. To, to, to tell her that, you know, it's treasonous that there's a mole in the camp and le- leaking stuff out. <clears throat> like he tried to tell her as well, you know, incidents like this happen on training pitches all around the country all the time. They do, but not to that level. Not involving the manager sticking his bloody chest out and shoulder barging another player. And we're well versed with incidents on training pitches and <clears throat> in other ways. When they were over here, uh, Pardew and Stephen Taylor had a falling out in a nightclub in Dubai. Um, Carol broke Taylor's jaw on the training bloody pitch and they tried to cover that up. In the ice bath. And he, and he, and he, even, came, he even came out with bloody bandages on his hands, you know, and it's like ridiculous. Um, and, and you can go further back. You can go to things like Shearer, Deccan Gillespie on tour in Ireland. You know, it, 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 the list goes on. Yes, these things happen. We bloody know they do. Um, but not in this way, not involving a manager, not involving somebody who's got an archaic leadership style and an archaic man management style that is so disconnected from so much of the team, it appears. And he, and he can take many things, you know, he can take it on the chin, he can take the piss, but he can't take responsibility. He's, he's in utter denial that he has any responsibility for any of this. To see him telling uh, Jones on the touchline to fuck off as well, I'm sorry. And you didn't need to be a lip reader to see that. Stevie Wonder could have told you what he'd said. <laughs> and and it, it, it all smacks of somebody who has no control, who was losing control and probably, well, well from what we, we've been saying about problems with the dressing room and losing the dressing room for ages. And I believe bringing Jones in was part of the solution they had of sorting that out. And obviously it it doesn't work when Steve doesn't get any of the credit for it. And so he, he wants to take all the credit, but he wants to deny any responsibility. Um, who didn't get those instructions on the pitch in a timely and efficient manager ma- manner? Well, you are the manager. That is your responsibility. It's not Matt Ritchie's responsibility at the end of the day. Yes, on the pitch, it looked like a total clusterfuck because we're all over the place. Even down to Shelby taking a quick free kick when there was absolutely no need to. Let everybody get reorganised. We've just made a substitution, you know. Um, it, we can pick the bones through that all day long, but I keep, I keep coming back to Steve Bruce in an absolute lack of ability to take responsibility for anything. He wants all the credit and he wants all the respect in the world. Well, you, you gain that respect, you earn it. You, you're not just entitled to it and it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done in the game over the last 20 years, you're only as good as your next result and your last result. That's all you are. And if you cannot take responsibility for it, if you cannot be honest about it, there's a mole in the camp, but everything that that reporter said was true. It's yeah, it's a agree. joke. It's it a joke to then kick off about it and then have another mate in the media kick off about the fact that somebody wrote a true story. Um, is is ridiculous. And and as far as I'm concerned, from things I hear, the biggest blabber to the press is Bruce himself. Yeah. Only when he thinks he's going to get the credit for it, though. Look, I think we know, we know, Mitch, as well. You know, it's the way it works. Look, this, I've said this time and time again. 
it's quite clear that there's a couple of journalists, maybe maybe's more, who are very close to Steve Bruce. And Steve Bruce will, uh, you know, maybe it's impossible these days to, you know, to go and have a, a friendly pint with these people because of COVID. But there is still a chance for him to be a little bit of loose-lipped, drop a story yep. into his particular mate and give him, give him a story, and that comes out. And I think that's happened on more than one occasion during Bruce's reign. It certainly will have happened during Rafa's reign, Rafa was close to George Colton. We know that. It's it's obvious. Um, look back on George's reporting of some of the Rafa stuff and he probably got the scoops. So you just need to look at the newspapers now and see who's quoting the Bruce narrative. Who supports Bruce on social media on a regular basis? That's the person that's close to Steve Bruce. It's as simple as that. And I've got nothing against that. Um, however... What's quite clear it's is... Gone on, what's, it's gone on for happened, years, Steve. It's gone on for years. But what's happened this week is... He's had a taste of his own medicine. And somebody somewhere has decided, I've had enough of this. And they've gone and given their side of the, the story to the newspapers. And that's what he doesn't like, because the truth's come out. And the fact that the club didn't come out and defend him, it, yeah. I found that I found that staggering. Because I, I felt, if they're not prepared to defend the manager through this, then why haven't they made a, a decision on, on his position? Why haven't they got rid of him when it's clear and obvious that he's lost the dressing room? There's no sugar coat in this. It's an absolute mess. It's a disaster. And if we don't win against West Brom, he will now blame Craig Hope and that whole fiasco that we've seen this week on that result. Hopefully, though, we'll get the result because the results last night went our way. But it's, uh, I, I, I don't know, it, it's just crazy. Even, even Steve, you know, during this, his press conference today, he was trying to tell her that Sam Allardyce was a great fixer. What did he fix for us? An eventual relegation. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, stop it. Just stop playing to the media diatribe that you know is going to get you the get you the lines in the press because people want to write that favourable story about Allardyce over and over again, you know, and, and resetting the narrative. It's ridiculous. He's as bad as everybody else and anybody else. And he needs to learn to, you know, suck it up and take your medicine, sunshine. Yeah, Ian, um, are you going to uh, are you going to play the uh, the devil's advocate here? What's your view on this? Can can you give any positives for what uh, Steve Bruce has come out with this week? Um, well, no, I'm not going to defend him. I, I I think it's a complete shambles. It's a, it's an absolute bloody shambles. And I think the worrying thing from my perspective is is it just shows how dead the dead hand of Ashley is now at the club. You know, because mm. really. At any other club, this would have this would have precipitated boardroom action in terms of doing something about it. You know, let's not forget, by the way, that you know we're in a situation whereby we've got about twelve or thirteen fixtures left, and you know how many of them are winnable? How many of them of them yeah. are we going to get the points that we need in order to prevent us going down um, another league with Fulham, who are in form, um, you know, coming up on a, on, a, on our shoulder. And you know, I, I'm I'm, I'm kind of looking at the fixtures, and I'm thinking, well, we haven't done magnificently well as we didn't last season against the clubs who are around us at the bottom end of the league. And then, apart from them, who are around us at the bottom end of the league, we've got Spurs, West Ham, Arsenal, Leicester, Man City, and Liverpool to play. You know, so where are we going to get the points that we need in order to make sure? that we are not in the absolute shit show of going down to the championship, which might be, by the way, a relegation that we don't recover from. 
uh, you know, and, and, and I'm sorry for being so pessimistic, but I, 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 I'm afraid to say that you've got a dead hand in the boardroom and you've got a numbskull in the training ground as manager, I'm afraid. I, you know, there is there is no redeeming f- features. And see, people are saying, oh, he's lost the dressing room. Did he ever have the dressing room? I think he had. Maybe he's a yes. handful of players in the dressing room, but I'm not convinced he ever had the dressing room. So I think he's lost the rest of the dressing room um, during the course of this week. And what, we, what did you think, you, Ian, when he came out at the end of that match? Um, I mean, this is my impression, as I've had time to think about it. I think he realised he dropped a faux pas by blaming Richie. So what he decided to do was hang a few other players out to dry so that it didn't look as if he was having a pop at Richie on his own. I think he realised, and it was too late, and this this is all about him not putting his brain in gear before he opens his mouth. But Sorry, I, I, brain? Yeah, but you know what I mean? He, that, that was the feeling I got. I just felt he, he, he said, well, you know, it's down to Matt Ritchie. So then he has a go at Dubravka. Then he has a go at Lewis. You know, and, and he hung a few more out to dry. And that's, you know, that isn't good. That isn't good man management. I don't care who you are. And that's, that's one of the things that I've been saying. He must be a good man manager. He's not a good tactician. Hence, all the, hence the fact that we've had to bring another coach in to try and tell the team tactics. He's supposed to be a good man manager. Well, he's now just wiped that out of his little CV as well now. Yeah, I mean, you know, because he, he, he seemed to be fairly indiscriminate in terms of who he was, who, who he was criticising, and and you know, he's had other he's had other um, splurges like that in the past. We've seen the situation this week, so you know, he's got to ask himself who amongst that playing staff. You know, bearing in mind we've got some significant injuries as well. Who on that playing staff who's available is on his side? Who's going to pull that plug out for him? You know, who's going to run themselves into the ground in order to try and get three points for this manager? And you know, unfortunately, uh, in the mind of the players, the you know the manager is synonymous with the club. You know, I'm sure that you know if there if there was a ground full of fans, you know, the the, the fans would have a big yeah. influence on on the players in terms of trying to urge them forward. But that's not mm-hmm. the case. And so who's gonna who's gonna run the extra ten percent? Who's gonna break sweat for the manager? And it, can anybody say it? Can can honestly anybody say it? I just don't. I don't say it at the moment. Ian, I think you've got a really good point about he did have the dressing room to a point, right? At one at earlier in the season, and and he keeps shooting himself in the foot. This isn't the first time he's hung people out to dry. And knows it the first time he's been flippantly critical of professional footballers. Remember what he said about Atsu and Saviet around about the transfer window when they were out of the squad. You know, he really didn't give a flying F. And, uh, and I think he lost a lot of the, the dressing room he did have. He lost a lot of them with the inc- incident with Sean Longstaff down at Villa. When Longstaff was sent back in a car after travelling down with the squad and replaced by Kraft in the squad overnight after another falling out. And I think I think that's where, and the irony is, he's now down to the bare bones, and it's going to be people like the Longstaffs that he's going to be asking to do a job for him. And thank God that that the two kids who are black and white to the core, because they will at least put a shift in. Because what if that was what if that was Atu and Saviet? He was asking to do that after what he'd said about them earlier in the season. No, you know, could could we be blamed for not expecting them really to want to run through walls? I don't think they'd want to run through a bloody empty cardboard box for him. So, you know, it, it, it's 
I think you're right. I think he has, at some stage, had parts of the dressing room behind him. And through his own words and actions, that's eroded and eroded to where we are now. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, lots of comments coming in. Uh, I'll, I'll only be able to put them on screen, but we've got a hell of a lot to talk about tonight, as you can appreciate it. Over 670 watching. Um, we we'll always appreciate your support. Wow. Thanks very much. And we've had over 3,000 new subscribers this week. Um, yeah, unbelievable, really. Uh, big thank you to everybody who's joined the channel. If you are new and you're visiting for the first time, I saw Well Hung Scotsman. Thank you for coming on tonight, mate. Uh, subscribe to the channel by just clicking that little button. Cost you nothing. It's free. Uh, please give it a like if you don't want to subscribe that's fine just click the little like button the little thumb down on the bottom there that does help us as well and please share just share the video by uh, hitting the arrow and that just shares to your socials your twitter account your facebook account your linkedin whatever doesn't give us access to it just share it please comment join the chat it's a really friendly chat always lots of people in there a lot of regulars who keep you right and um just welcome to the channel lots of great content uh, we'll give this one a mention while we've got a lot of viewers on and we've got um, Alan Shearer came on a couple of weeks ago and did promise us that he would come back well he kept his promise and he is on tomorrow night at six o'clock a uh, little interview that I did with him just a few uh, ten, 10 questions to Alan um, so that, that's well worth tuning in for also got Ian Lafrenia, a friend of the show making his second appearance uh, he's coming on to take your questions and by God you did send some great ones and Ian as always give us some great answers so plenty to look forward to over the weekend and those of you of a boxing persuasion um, I've you know, done what you've asked for, got Glenn back, we're going to talk a little bit of modern day boxing, look ahead of some of the big fights coming up, Canelo's going to be fighting, we're hoping of course that Joshua and Fury's going to get announced, but we have got that coming up as well, and uh, while I'm chatting on, big thank you to Spider VPN, who again have sponsored in the StreamYard application um, uh, this month, uh, they were on with us last month as well, also a big shout out to Jory Riffs, who've come on as a main sponsor this month as well, premium guitar lessons for beginners and children, guitar repairs and servicing, recording studio. Studio. You can find them at jodyriffs.co.uk and at their Instagram and at their Facebook. And I've got to ask you, lads, I've asked everybody else, any guitar players amongst us tonight? No. And and Anthony's been in touch, by the way, who we mentioned last week. Yeah. And he said, uh, no, he'll not be coming on to play his guitar yet. So. <laughs> okay. Mitch, have you ever dabbled? I have. I any have good? in the past. As my dad gave away on Thursday night, so I can't any, deny it. Any good? Yeah, sorry, Wednesday night. No, I was rubbish. I was only ever in a band because I had a car and I could transport the drums. Ah, you always need a driver. Ian, are you a are you a strummer? I'm I'm afraid not. I, I've I've always wished I could could have done, but I've I've tried, you know, to dabble at it, and I'm I'm afraid to say I don't think I've got an aptitude. And I think you've got to have an aptitude to be a musician. You've got you to know, have. You've got to have hard fingers. Ian. Really hard at it, but 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 I think you've got to have an aptitude as well. I could have just seen you sitting around the campfire at a labour a labour party conference, you know, playing the guitar there, Ian. You know, you never know. You've got time to learn now, mate. Sitting at home, get on to Geordie Riffs. Oh, I, 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 I'm sitting around the campfire singing "Ging Gang Boo." <laughs> Big shout out to qtechshop.co.uk as well. Long time sponsor of the show. Um, makers of pool tables and stuka tables in Walls End. And a big shout out to John from Jab Signature who's been overloaded this week with work with flyers. Um, and uh, did our rather snazzy one for tonight's show. Um, good one, man. I like that. Conair, lads. Conair. Yeah. Very, very good. Good film, that. Really enjoyed it. But... Well, uh, 
Okay, we've had a breather from football. Let's get back onto the next topic of conversation. Steve, go on, Ian. Well, you've just been doing plugs there. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned I was like struggling to get somebody to come and do me kitchen. Oh, you, yes. You, you, you put a lot in touch with yeah. us, Chris Collins from Arcot Interiors. And I come in next Wednesday to do the job. And I'm not, I'm not kidding. I'm absolutely chuffed. So, so, so Chris and Arcot. I'm really, really appreciating you coming to do the job for us because I've been tearing me hair out with elements in my kitchen for a long time, like you know. So, good stuff. Well, well done, Chris. Thanks for getting in touch. Oh, Steve, I, I was hoping it wouldn't be takeover at Central tonight, um, and and I'm always like this on a Tuesday with Liam as well because I I moan and groan because I know that then the next hour is going to be taken up with takeover talk. However. A lot of I've been inboxed, as I'm sure you have, as I'm sure you have, Mitch, today. What is this good news? What does it mean? Um, I'll give you my take on it first, and I'll, then I'll, then we'll go around the table. Um, I genuinely am happy now because we know that the takeover is still on. And after having such a lot of negativity on social media from a lot of people last week, where's your takeover gone, blah, 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 um, it's quite clear now that in Keegan fashion, Mike Ashley is still fighting for this takeover. And the arbitration was always going to be the next port of call. I know from speaking to people on both sides of the deal that arbitration was what they wanted. Um, I know that there was an opportunity last year, but it wasn't in the right way for them. They, you know, they didn't feel that that was, that was the right way to go forward. It was it's obviously, you know, they've done it this way for a particular reason. My take on it is the fact that um, Keith Downey threatens with two 0 down. I don't see it like that. I personally feel, oh. I personally feel we're in a position now where we know arbitration is going to go ahead. Everything, although it can't be reported in the media, all eyes will now, Steve, be on the chair. They will yep. be on the chair. He will be scrutinised now, and that was the key. I think objecting against the chair was very clever because now he can't be impartial. This can't just get waved through and you know and and blocked by the Premier League because we've all we've seen it all before. We've been talking about moles and leaks already on this show, but we know nothing stays secret. Certainly not with this takeover. I guarantee that if um, something happens and Newcastle's takeover collapses, then this will eventually become public knowledge and. The Premier League are going to be concerned about that. So, Steve, I'm positive. I think it's good. And we're, we'll get a date for arbitration. When, we don't know. But at least now it's all out in the open that the takeover is still on. Yeah, definitely, Steve. That's exactly my 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 reading of it. And if, if people are saying that we're, we're two now down, well, we're two now down after five minutes. And, yeah. and we're now, we're now, the game hasn't kicked off, Steve. We've objected to the ref and lost, but the game hasn't kicked off. Yeah. That's we've all that's happened. You know what? The way I look at it is that, that I'll take it right to the end, right to the last piece that, that where the, of the judgment, where A, we found out who, the, who the, the QC is, that's the third person that was the objections to, Secondly, I look at what was said by the the judge um, in his in his. Uh, you could call it summing up if you want, but it wasn't the summing up. It was his decision, and that was that having having looked at and listened to both parties, he feels as though the person that they were talking about 
um, has not been involved. He has been involved in cases regarding the Premier League, places, cases regarding Bird and Bird, and possibly even cases regarding Newcastle United in the past. But at no time has he made any judgments or arbitrated on anything to do with the particular part of the rule book that Newcastle United are querying. And um, because of that, the judge has actually said, and that is what this case is all about. It's about this little piece of Section 11 that in the rule book, which is to do with, and he actually states it, to do with whether or not PIF um, are separate from the Saudi state in terms of uh, corporate law, etc., etc. And so he's, he's even created the boundary. So the yeah. boundary. So if now, if it goes, if it goes outside of those boundaries, Newcastle United have immediately got a right of appeal on any decision on anything that gets said. So he's narrowed. He's narrowed the scope. He's created the boundaries from which the decisions got to be made. And as you say, Steve, the spotlight is on the QC now, who is going to chair this adjudication panel. We now know that an adjudication panel will be sitting. Um, Newcastle maybe felt as though. If you if you want to say they lost out on anything, it was that they would like to have seen it have been in public, but it's not the end of the world that it's not, um, because the, the judge has decided it's not, and 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 quite rightly because of it, the decision isn't a decision in law, it's a decision about the Premier League rulebook. That's the decision. It's about whether or not the Premier League rulebook allows the allows them to stop a company from owning a football club. And the, the, the added bit that I would like to add is that it's to do with naming who's who in the company and, and trusting the, co the corporation or the company that owns the football club. Yeah. If, if, the, if they deviate from it, then they're going to drive a coaching horses through a number of situations regarding a number of Premier League football clubs. And I'll I'll name I'll name just one because it's the one that immediately strikes me, and that's Crystal Palace, where they're held and that this nobody actually knows who it is on the board of Crystal Palace, who the main shareholder is, because it's held in Delaware, and it's not necessarily under Delaware law that you have to actually state who the owner is, who the shareholders are in that company. So secretly there's somebody sitting with seventy eight percent of 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 the company that runs Crystal Palace. We've, yes, we know Steve Parrish and we know the names of two other directors, but we don't know who the main people are. And now, if the Premier League sort of deviate is, and create a, create, make a decision that goes against Newcastle United, and it says that, 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 that they're against whoever is named behind the corporation that's wanting to own the football club, then they're going to have to start looking at the Crystal Palaces and all of the other clubs that are sitting there in the league behind Delaware corporations and Delaware structures that have been created specifically to hide the ownership of football clubs. What's your take on it, Mitch? It's uh, been an eventful day in uh, a new so, FC takeover Twitter sphere. So many things, mate. Um, one, um, we can now see it to anybody who said, so what's going on with the arbitration? When people were saying the arbitration process has started, it had. The first part of the process is picking the arbitration panel. The process was underway when people were telling, trying to tell where it wasn't underway. So we now know it was, clearly. Um, that we've objected to somebody being put on there, and there's now a legal ruling that says this person 
can sit on this panel. It's a judge has said it's fair legally, so we have to accept that. Um, and we've got our objection out from the get go. We're not turning around after the event going, hey, well, he's done this and he's done that. No, we've got it out there in the start, which is the way it should be. I'd, I'm not surprised we've been told it can't be in public because not many arbitration processes are. But what that does do is whisper into a lot of people's ears, Premiership are still happy to keep it quiet, you know. Yes. The premier, Premiership are still quite happy to have it just tucked away. Um, when you come to things like D Delaware companies, it's very, very interesting. And, and, and I'll give you a comparison. I was bouncing this, this around with a, a lad called John Cartonchick, who's a, a good friend and a patient of mine out here. I go and lose golf balls with him sometimes. <laughs> and um, he is a corporate lawyer in AFC, and this is exactly the kind of thing he does. The minute I started the conversation with it, the words weren't barely out of my mouth. He says, oh, so Crystal Palace are run by a Delaware company, are they? He knew exactly what I was talking about from the off. And and the, the, the bottom line is, is there's, the people in Delaware do know who own that company. But by Delaware, though, they are not obliged to disclose it. And everybody else who is owned by a Delaware company, when they go to somebody like the Premier League, the Premier League have to respect that. Now, one thing that I don't see the Premier League either having the nous or ability or time to explore is what the Saudi law says about the separation of PIF and the state is. And I think if in Saudi law that's demonstratable, I don't think the Premier League have a leg to stand on, to be honest with you. Um, because it, they can't apply one rule to one and another to another. And and this isn't about favouritism or anything like that. This is just about sticking to the rule book, like Steve says. We've now boxed it off to one element of the Premier League rule book. So the other things that removes is things like human rights, rightly or wrongly. It removes being in sports. It removes it all. Because we're talking about the thing that they keep coming back to and kept coming back to on why they were rejecting or going to reject without making a decision was based on that one thing, the separation of Saudi state and PIF. They can't talk about other things. Can't. It's boxed off. And also releasing it now and getting it out in public um, actually would suggest to me that the people in control of this from this moment and point in time are the team supporting Newcastle United. And this, this isn't false hope. This isn't me, you know, drip feeding things to get people excited. Um, what it is, it's just that's what it is. The, the, the very cleverly managed to box a lot of the decisions off. Now, all of the other things I've talked about there, particularly the human rights side of things, very, very difficult and emotive thing to discuss positively because I know there's still a large section of our fan base are uncomfortable with that. And I get it. Totally get it. Uh, but why isn't there a large swathe? While the BBC are currently sticking it into the UAE at the minute with some of the things they're writing and, 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 and transcribing, why aren't they similarly sticking it in the Man City? You know, it, 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 these swords cut both ways, or they should, and they're seemingly not to at the moment. And it's no wonder that 
you know, we as a fan base and and and, and the club themselves feel um, that we're being treated differently. Um, and so I think it's a super smart move, in my opinion. Just as a layperson with a vague, vague understanding of how some of these processes work, and sitting out here in the UAE talking with people who do know how these things work, um, I, 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 I wait my next next uh, pint with John with uh, with bated breath because we're going to have quite a lot to talk about. I think <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Ian, it's been a hell of a week. I mean, we started with Kasogi's widow coming back, and and uh, you know politicians being asked about arms to you know to to Saudi and the business that we're doing, and then it's then it's roller coaster ride takes us back into the Newcastle takeover territory, where you know suddenly we hear this arbitration news today. It's it's been a roller coaster ride for fans, and I'll I'll admit I've admitted it. You know, on numerous occasions, I'm very, very sketchy on the whole political thing. It's not really my bag on, on you know, all of that. And all I want, I made, I made the, the, the you know, the point the other week. Um, all I want is the, the a takeover to go through, which sees Newcastle United become a team that can compete and give us a bit of hope back. And you know, if that means it's the Saudis, it's the Saudis. You know, if it, if that deal collapses and we're lucky enough to have somebody else who wants to come in and buy the club off Ashley for a similar amount and and plow money into the club and the area then i'll be happy with that but yeah i just want the takeover done but yeah it's, it's been it's been monumental a monumental roller coaster ride of emotions again this week for us hasn't it well absolutely and 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 you know there's football there's bruce there's the the, the takeover there's the the legal shenanigans you know and and you know so i was in, interrupted steve before like but i mean you know for for, for commentators on sky and that they say on oh, newcastle are two nil down well, you know, the game hasn't kicked off. You know, that's the point I want to make. The game hasn't kicked off. Newcastle and their legal team have made an objection to the referee who's going to be overseeing the game. And, you know, they've lost that particular argument. But the game hasn't kicked off in terms of the actual arbitration itself. And I think the, the, the good thing which has come out of day today is that the judge has said that the judgment itself, whatever it is, has to be published. It's in the public interest. So therefore, that adds additional pressure onto the chair of the panel of arbitration to make sure that they get it absolutely right. Because the Premier League didn't want it published. What the Premier League were arguing was that it, if it was published, it would be heavily redacted. Well, they have lost that one. So how is it two nil? You know, I mean, you know, you, you you don't score goals before the referee blows the whistle for the start of the game. And so, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so, and so, therefore, you know, um, I, I would say it's still absolutely and utterly all a play for. And if the legal team that Newcastle United have got have, have, are on their metal, and I've got no reason to believe that they won't be because they're a very professional outfit, um, the, the legal arguments will have to be addressed properly in whatever judgment the arbitration committee makes. So therefore, you know, I think it's all to play for from that perspective. But I mean, you're absolutely right, Steve. You know, um, the, you know the the, the 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 conduct of the manager, um, the, the 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 shenanigans at the training ground. You know, the conduct of the manager after after the last that last game against Wolves. You know, I'm afraid to say, um, it all it, it further undermines. He's already hyper low standing from my perspective you know so I'm I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry uh, uh, Mr Bruce but you know really uh, 
it, it, it's been well past your time to go. But again, I'm afraid that the um, the vacuum at the top is there for all to see. Uh, we have a we have a dead hand in control at board level. You know, there isn't a board; it's an owner, and, and just sitting back and watching to see what develops. But the trouble is, what is developing, unless we're very, very careful, is if by making no decision, in essence, you've made a decision. Um, and 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 if and if by making no decision, you leave Bruce in charge until the end of the season, well, I think we're on a very, very difficult, sticky, wicked situation. Um, in terms of us gaining the number of points that we might need in order to satisfy um, the retention of our Premier Premier League status, um, you know, we haven't exactly co- covered ourselves in in glory when it comes to the games that we've played against the other teams in the bottom five or six, and therefore, from that perspective, I, I worry about that because I think we've got five of those games yet to play, and the rest of our games are against. Top six by and large, so it's 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 difficult situation. So there we go. I tell you, I, I tell you what I was going to add. I was going to add the fact that if if you listen to, or if you read or listened to Mike Ashley's statement or the statement that came out on behalf of Mike Ashley, it started by telling us that as far as they were concerned, they'd already sold the football club, and it ended by yeah. saying they were still still desperate to give the fans what they want, which is new ownership. Yeah, I, loved, I love this analogy. I love this analogy, Steve. Newcastle United fans have won the lottery, but they've been denied the winnings. Uh, it was something words to that effect, Steve, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and 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 again, you know, this is this is something that we've been saying for for a long, long time, isn't it? That you know, um, he was des- he's desperate to get rid of the football club. Well, mine, having said that, he was desperate to get rid of the football club in two thousand and eight. He was desperate to get rid of two thousand and ten, and we could rattle through a number of, a number of other dates because it has. Since, since virtually the week after he got in 2008, you know, and it's taken all this time. But uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- those words in itself, the Castle fans should be listening to them and just saying, well, let's hope that we can get this over the line and that the, the arbitration um, and Nick DeMarco and, and uh, Shaheen Fatima actually actually do present a case that, that, that is. is Basically, gonna gonna give Mike Ashley what he wants and give the fans what they want, which is new ownership. He he loses the club. He we get new ownership, um, and then whatever whatever comes from that, um, we roll with it and, and we'll see where the journey takes. But what did you make of that um, that thing at the start of the week, which Luke Edwards broke, where it it, it obviously it, you know he, he he wrote the story, he had the confidence to put it out there, as did Craig Hope with regards to this training ground bust up, where you know essentially said that the takeover was on hold um, until you know relegation issue was sorted out. Now that looks a rather daft story now when you you look at what's been happening today. Yeah, well. I did some digging on that. I, I made some inquiries, Stephen. From what I found out was that um, that was a, an, a, an unattributable statement that was made by someone at the football club who thought that they were saying the right thing, um, but it wasn't. It wasn't the statement that officially the football club wanted to put out there. Somebody who's I, not very good at PR, Steve. Um, well, or, or somebody who felt felt as though that they were doing good at PR. <laughs> Who knows, Steve? But you know, it, it it's one of those things that you know. It, it depends who you're talking to, doesn't it? You know, it depends who Luke was talking to, and and 
you know, obviously he is a journalist. He'll feel as though that his sources are reliable. Um, from what I heard was that the particular person or the, the the particular message that came out was not a message that the club wanted attributed them to to Newcastle United. So um, read into that what you will. Okay. The, other other way you can interpret that, Steve, is what I see in because there are other interested parties still now. Um, the other Steve that we've we don't talk about on here, Steve. Yeah. That message message we got from him saying that there was a credible interested party who'd basically been shut down by Barnes. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we get two, three inquiries a month and some of them are from quite credible people. And I suspect there were, those are words to shut that down. To say, right, we're not talking to anybody until we get an answer on this thing. And it's, and it, and it's just clever wording. Um, other thing, if you don't mind while I'm on, a couple of things that came out in the chat about it, it it's not about piracy. Yes, it is. That was the leverage. The leverage they wanted was the being, that being were complaining that it was state-sponsored piracy. Therefore, the Premier League wanted to demonstrate that there was no separation between state and PIF. And so, yes, it is about piracy, but it isn't. That's just the leverage that the Premier League wanted to use. To, to get there, you know, and, and and it's 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 subtle, it's semantics, but that's how this is working. It's working, you, you know. It's it's like we as lay people play in the Sunday League. This is Premier League legal shit, you know, and, and we're, we're trying to keep up with it. And it's really bloody difficult as a fan base, even even with a sort of a a hint from certain parties at times. You still going away and picking it mean Steve God knows how many WhatsApps we share a day on certain things like this it's 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 crackers yeah do you know what I wish I wish I was paid by an hourly rate for all the effort I've put in over the last three or four years four years 14 by the number of WhatsApps I've sent between between us two that would have right. been you mentioned you mentioned an interesting one there Mitch you said that you know that there's two or three inquiries a month this is no word of a lie. That that the from from my most impeccable source, I I understand that that since the summer, since it was announced that the takeover um, wasn't going ahead, and I said that, in, if I could speak in inverted commas, I would. By the way, um, there's been over ninety inquiries that have wow. passed over from about Newcastle United people interested. Now that they come from either. Uh, um, a broker who might say might ring up and say, "I've got someone who might be interested in buying your football club." If they're not interested, to to to, to something like a, like a De Grasso or um, an organisation that, that that Peter Kenyon was involved in. So right the way from uh, a, a crank through uh, what could could potentially be a legitimate claim, over ninety since the summer. Now that tells you that there's an interest in Newcastle United worldwide. Some of them, in in the vast majority of cases, would have been ones that have turned round would turn round and then say, "Oh, so if you think we are viable, can we now go away and find the money? Or would Mike be interested in lending us the money so that we can buy it off them?" Then we've got the ones who want to do the same sort of deal as a Burnley deal, which is mm -hmm. basically lumber all the money onto the football club in the first place. How much? 
No, they're trying to find out how much cash there is in the bank so that then they can use that, come in, offer Mike some ridiculous amount of money, then go away, leave it against the football club. All sorts of crazy deals from, from what I can gather have been thrown at Newcastle United. And for 90, was, was the figure that I was clicking, 9 0, not 19, 9 0. We, and, and this, that tells me where it, that there's something out there that people want Newcastle United. You know, there's or, or also there's there's a belief out there which is a false one that Ashley's now a willing seller at any price. Yeah, Ashley's always been a willing seller, but only on his terms. Yeah. And I and I don't know how many times we've got to say this. It's not about he, he wants to flog it cheap and and he'll take a hit. He doesn't want to take a hit. And he never has wanted to take a hit. So he's not suddenly been this altruistic friend of the friends of the fans and the club with the club's best interest. The only interest he's got is his own. And this takeover the offer is the last time he will make a cent out in the Castle United for a long, long time because of the impact of COVID and, and more. And you it's know what? Simple as that. You know what I'll add to that? The price has never changed. The, no, when it hasn't. We, when back in 2013, 2014, the price that was quoted, remember on that bit of paper that we saw, 110 yep. million pounds. But what was hiding behind it was the 200 million pound debt as well. Yep. So you take on the debt, which made it 330 million pound. Yep. You know, so the price and is. It's, and it's no, no wonder Jay took the Canadians and walked away and said, stuff that. That's right. Not a, not a chance. You know, and. and, and and that bit of paper, I, I see that bit, 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 a bloody bit of paper every now and again because he's still got it on his bloody laptop. <laughs> I wish he would delete the bloody thing. A bit of question there, just, just while it, because it'll disappear on the chat and I'll not get a chance right. to answer it. Darren Agnew saying, what's the crack with PIF wanting into Milan? There was an interest um, from Inter Milan getting PIF on board. Uh, but PIF aren't interested um, but, at the moment because they're, they're currently trying to buy Newcastle United. It's as simple as that. But mm. Also, Steve, if you read the story, it says minority stake. Yeah. And that would not stop them doing anything with Newcastle United. Yeah. You've got to remember what PIF are looking for are, are uh, good value opportunities. And I think a partial stake in Inter Milan bearing in mind they're still in a, with a chance of winning the title and they're still doing things in Europe. The, the, I don't think that would be a bad opportunity stake with a Chinese owner. That's basically being told by the Chinese government, get out. Yep. And they're being wooed, remember. There's an Italian ambassador doing the rounds, For trying to get, yeah. absolutely trying, trying to get people in the Middle East interested in, in Milan. Desperate uh -huh. sorry, 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 Mitch. I thought you, were, I thought you were gonna stray into bad territory there because you said you're talking about the Chinese government and you're talking about wooing, you know. But um, as long as he's got the right mobile number, because it would be terrible to wing the wrong number. Um, oh dear, me. Oh. I'll just get me. I'll get me caught. Oh dear. Good dear. <laughs> Um, we've got, as always, we do have regular sections on here, lads. So um, we're going to have to pick, and I've got a new section tonight. Uh, and it's uh, first, first of all, it's this one. Well, this, this won't be a regular feature. This is model of the week, and it goes to Stu Penman, who uh, was, <laughs> was who was in uh, obviously with uh, Al Walid in Saudi this week. Um, dear yes. me, uh, is that the most edited photo you've ever seen, lads? 
<laughs> but there you are, it's standing out, standing outside. It's PIF very polished. Very polished. Yeah, standing right. outside PIF headquarters, and Alwaleed never has to airbrush his photos. That's clearly Stu's, Stu Penman's request. Uh, but but it seems like Stu's had a good time out there. We'll wish him well. Hope he has a safe journey uh, getting back. I also want to thank Paul Oxley who uh, has mimicked this up um, <laughs> after this week's developments. The Bournemouth connection, um, based loosely on a book by Steve Wraith. That, but uh, yeah, Matt Ritchie, Graham Jones, and Callum Wilson. Uh, <laughs> Superimposed onto the crazy heads. I see what you did Brilliant. there, Paul. Very, yeah. very good, mate. Very, very good. Um, but uh, as always, uh, we're going to go with uh, Mitch's tune lookalike. Now, Mitch uh, did send a few suggestions. We, we ummed and hard. Uh, and to be honest, it was yeah. regular viewer Nick who probably yep. came up with the best suggestion, and uh, it's this. <laughs> that is... It's superb, isn't it? That is... Sorry, un- which one? <laughs> which? which? <laughs> so there was Nick's original tweet anyway. Um, yeah, Vic... Vic Was it Vic Manny uh, and no. Steve Bruce? Unbelievable. Unca- uncanny resemblance, interest, that, Nick. Brilliant. In, in, interesting story with the actor as well. Because he was originally apparently hired by a director to be his bodyguard stroke mob liaison guy. And then that that's all the characters he plays in films. He basically <laughs> plays plays himself. That's brilliant. In every film. It's superb. Um, but yeah, honestly, that, that's a great pick, that Nick. Brilliant. Brilliant, like, Nick. Saves me. It's like Jim Carrey, that is it. He just plays himself. <laughs> so, so does Nick Cage, actually, um, the yeah. guy from Con Air, uh, who, who's obviously star of our fly the night. So, uh, Nick, well done, mate. You don't win anything for it apart from a pat on the back, but that was our Aye. two number left. I, I like those ones when, when they say that you know that he's such a, a, a great, great accomplished actor. He f- covers the full gamut of emotions from A to B. <laughs> right, Ian, I'm going to come to you because you you don't you didn't get much of a look in with the whole uh, takeover stuff. So I picked this out the Chronicle this week, which I thought was pretty good. Um, I'm not really a big fan of Glenn Hoddle, but Glenn did. Uh, Glenn came out with this in an interview this week, and it was. Um, I think the problem is for Steve. Uh, this was before this week's uh, development, of course, for Newcastle and their fanatical fans. They look at Leicester in the top four. They look at Wolves playing in the Europa. They look at West Ham at the moment. Aston Villa is another example. They look at them and they think, we should be doing that. I don't think they expect to be in the top four, but they expect more. But being safe from relegation is where I see Newcastle at the moment. I found that really interesting, Ian, um, because, you know... We're often called, you know, fans, you know, unrealistic, you know, we're, you know, we're hammered by, you know, people like Simon Jordan all the time. And we've said before, we said it last week, um, they do it for clicks, they do it for you to go on that channel. But I thought that was a pretty good summing up of, of the way a lot of Newcastle fans feel from, you know, somebody who I, I wouldn't have expected it to come from. What what was your thoughts on what Glenn Huddle had to say? Well, I, I, I think you know. To be to be fair, I, I think I think it's someone who's like properly analysed the situation and has got it just about spot on. You know, look, you know, we've all been there and, and watched the, the club in the mid nineteen nineties 
um, competing at the very top end, you know, and, and, and in the early 2000s under Bobby Robson, you know, competing at the, at the top end of the league. And I don't think Newcastle fans are being unrealistic unre if all they want is the club, which has an ethos from the very top to the very bottom where it wants to compete, you know, and and, and, and what we haven't got at, at that at the moment, we're just like a managed, it's like a managed decline or a, or, or a managed getting by. Well, getting by isn't good enough, you know. I mean, why is it that Newcastle supporters t put turn it on its head should just put up with that? You know, like, you know, are, are we some sort of um, stoic animal collectively where we just say, oh, well, that's fair enough, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just get what we're given? No, I mean, you know, obviously, I'm 64 next month. And I've said this on a number of occasions, but, you know, we, have, we haven't won a domestic trophy in my lifetime, and I'm 64 next month. So is that unrealistic to expect our club, just for a change, to try and compete uh, with the, the upper echelons or even the middle echelons of the Premier League, as opposed to flirting with relegation time after time after time? And... I don't think that's being, being un, unrealistic at all. I think Hoddle is absolutely fair. OK, uh, I've noticed in the chat there, John, uh, telling everybody, yes, Tom Dixon, the competition does finish tonight. First correct answer in the live chat. Good luck, everyone. We'll be doing that at 7 o'clock just when Ian leaves and Steve Hasty will give you your final question. So, yes, uh, Mitch, your take on Glenn Hoddle's uh, little statement there? Uh, he's bang on. He's very... Being very fair, it's that's refreshing. exactly it. We we look at play, look at clubs like that and go, well, shouldn't we just be like at least having a go at that? Yeah, you know, we, I think we're allowed to expect better than seventeenth is one minimum expectation. I think we're allowed that. I think any club in the Premiership should be allowed that. Um, and again, it comes back to the argument we were talking about the other with a week, you know. It's not that long ago. Sure, I had more goals than Spurs in the Champions League. Mm. You know, and, and, and so it really sticks in my craw. You know, Glenn Hoddle always did have so many very, very good things to say as a as a manager in his post his playing career. He blotted his copybook with England when he had some sort of uh, some sort of new age awakening and got faith he was involved with the squad and things like that. And Made some rather insensitive, you know, and, and made some some rather insensitive comments that left him in a very in, untenable position, and 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 I, I think he still suffers for that, unfortunately. Which is it's a sad thing because he was a very very good player and looked like he was going to be a very very good manager going forward. Um, mm. To have somebody like that come out and actually finally turn around and say something that is. Um, one hundred percent spot on in my opinion, you know, and 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 sympathetic to us as a fan base, without being condescending to us as a fan base, because that's the you know, it, it it it's a fine line sometimes between being sympathetic and condescending towards the fan base in the Castle United. Like Ian says, you know, we've not won a domestic trophy in his lifetime. We've not won any bloody trophy other than the Intertotal Cup in my my lifetime. You know, and, and, and that picture is Scott Parker looking very, very bewildered with these little um, sort of uh, 
uh, uh, enclosed certificate, which is effectively what the trophy was for, um, you know, for uh, um, for the Intertoto. You know, that's it. Um, and, and I think I don't expect anything other than just to be able to give it a go. I would love to have the semi-finals and finals again. I would love to have the ability to, 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 to just have the hope that we're going to go and bloody somebody's nose. There's you a know, question for you keep... there from Julie, Mitch. Did you, can you see that? Um, are your neighbours used to you chatting away to your screen on your balcony? <laughs> I, I presume they are, bless them. The, 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 the one... One's ones behind us were out here one night when I was doing I think it was one, when I was doing one of the retro shows once. And I could I could I turned round and I could see this quizzical look on one of their faces, like what the hell's this guy doing? Um and what what the guys downstairs who 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 do the corner shop at the restaurant downstairs, because what what people don't understand, right? Out here it, it it's it's such a car based culture. Every now and again what you'll hear is a car pull up and toot its horn. Cause that's cause the occupant of the car wants a little man to come out from the shop and take his order, then bring the card machine out with the order and pay for it without leaving the comfort of his AC-filled car. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's normal here. It took, took me months to get my head around that. Um, and, and that's totally normal. That's why sometimes it sounds like a racetrack, because the cars are pulling up outside the restaurant in the corner shop saying, I want, you know, 20 Benson and Hedges in a bag of Pringles, please, you know. Um, and, and literally, that's what they do, sit in the car and toot the horn and, and get somebody to come out. So they, I think they, that you're kind of used to a little bit of outside hubbub here. So I think I get away with it. Okay, Steve, what's your take on Glenn Huddle? You know, what, what, what was interesting was that in terms of the Premier League, they were like four clubs that are kind of what I described as like new kids on the block, aren't they? You know, Aston Villa, um, Wolves... Uh, West Ham and, and, and obviously I, I, I'm being a bit flippant because obviously Leicester won the league but if I'm if I'm if I'm if I'm correct and I follow all the punditry that uh, signals were out there Leicester won the league in what apparently was the worst season ever in the Premier League how insulting was that you know from from those punters from those from those those reporters who follow Manchester United Manchester City uh Arsenal, Chelsea, you know, to turn around and say, oh, it was the worst league, that's the only reason you won. But seriously, I mean, I, I would have thrown Everton into the mix as well but among that, right. because Everton, for me, are, are, are another team, very, very similar. Um, have all the have all the commitment, have all the ability, have have the, the infrastructure and probably will have an even better infrastructure when the new ground comes up in, in three years' time. And I just want you, Cassie to be competing with those five clubs. And when you start to compete with those five, then you can start to compete with the four or five that are above them as well. Because with 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 that comes confidence. With it comes um, a, a bit of a scariness among the among the, the the so-called elite. Because all of a sudden they're not they're not in the comfort zone that they feel they are. We've seen Arsenal completely out of that comfort zone in the last yeah. in the whole season. And probably the season before, we've seen Tottenham, who are not in a, any comfort zone whatsoever. The most schizophrenic football club going this season. Um, you know, they can play brilliant one day and then all of a sudden they can go one out up against a team fighting relegation with an own goal and, and, and shut up shop. 
Imagine, imagine if if if, if on. shut up shop like that, we would be absolutely ripped to shreds again, wouldn't we? You know, um, right. but it, but that's the nature. You know that there's this sort of like an illusion builds up about these football clubs. I watched Man City the other night, Stephen. The, the way that they played, the way that, they, that he's got them organised, and you watched it happening, and you could a, a good. A really good coach, if he sat down and analysed what Manchester City done, and I think that's what will happen in Europe, by the way, that, that will be undone because you can see the gaps, you can see the spaces. You just don't allow them to play in the first place. But getting back to Huddle, I think I think we've got to appreciate that the, the man, what the man is, what the man has done as a, as a player, what the man did as an England manager. Um, you know, he, he reached the very, very top. And uh, yes, those words, that they'll, they will... They'll ring in our ears for for probably the rest of the season, you know. At the moment, yes, we want to be safe from relegation. That very last line, we want to be safe from relegation. At the moment, I don't think even Steve Bruce can convince us that we're safe from relegation. And that's the, that's the worry, that's the concern that I have. He's not convincing me that we're safe from relegation. And nor, by the way, are some of the players convincing me that we're safe from relegation by the performances have been putting in. But that's a probably totally different story and a totally different topic. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Lots of questions coming in. Apologies, guys. I, I, it's struggling to keep up with it tonight. There's over 850 watching live. Wow. And uh, it is very, very difficult to, uh, to keep keep up to date. And I do try to get them on and I do try to work your questions in. But I'm not ignoring you guys. It is uh, it's just unfortunate sometimes we, we do miss <coughs> out. And, of course, we do our regular features. And... Um, <laughs> This one is always a favourite of mine, uh, one which we started off uh, a couple of weeks ago. It's Troll of the Week. Yep, trolls, trolls, trolls. I do get quite a few. Um, two absolute classics this week. Um, it's 50-50, really. Um, I'll leave it to you to decide who's the winner. I'll string you up, I'll hour you mess. That is from Quinny FTM. Must be one of my friends from uh, from Wearside. Uh, big thanks to him. Uh, I presume that's some kind of uh, thing to do with, I don't know, maybe hanging us or something like that. Um, some sort of lynching-based threat. I think so, yeah. Uh, uh, Josh, I'm afraid, Josh, uh, you're probably going to have to second place, mate. It's not really it's not really a good one. Um, I am bald, yes. Uh, I do shave my head. But, you know, I, you know, I get that one all the time, mate. So, yeah, I'm probably going to give it to you, um, me friend from Wearside. I'll string you up. I'll string you up. I'll hour your mess. Thank you very much, mate. <laughs> and uh, I'll uh, be back with Troll of the Week next week. I just hope, oh, he does, I hope he does better in his GCSE, Steve, because he'll, <laughs> he'll fail with that English, won't he? <laughs> Dear me, ow. Honest to God, it's unbelievable. Let's uh, let's start. I, 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 bet, I bet he's good. Steve, before you move on. Go on, go on, Ian. I just, I mean, you know, I just cannot help thinking about like the um the, the, the stories I used to tell the bands when they were little, you know, and, and the three Billy Goats gruff. I'm a troll, foley roll. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, you just kind of make it up. And I mean, I get this, you know, I get this day in, day out um, from, from different people. But look, I, you know, I, I just I just shrug it off. Um, but bet, people, yeah, these people tend I, to really think it's doing me some kind of damage, I think. I bet that lad's got zero concept of what a possessive apostrophe is. 
But what I've started doing, what I've started doing now is retweeting them, but with that little that little intro tune, um, that seems to have done the trick because the kid didn't tweet us back after that. So um, <laughs> never mind, it's it's all for the it's all for the show. It's all good crack. Um, because Ian's leaving us at seven, let's uh, let's look ahead to uh, the game on Sunday. Obviously, Newcastle are uh, in a in a proverbial six pointer, as we know, they are travelling down to the Hawthorns, and it is Newcastle's. Uh, 12 noon kickoff against West Brom. It's live on Amazon Prime, and uh, you can obviously get the game if you uh, take out the 30 day free trial by clicking uh, Amazon and, and looking for Amazon Prime. So, well worth a look. Uh, squad news, oh. team news. Uh, it is, yeah. Callum Wilson, Fabian Shaw, Miguel Almiron, and Alan St. Maximin, of course, are all missing. And uh, good news is that uh, Fernandez and Elliot Anderson were back in training. Still fitness doubts over Hayden, Manquillo, and Kraft. Um, the players, of course, will be wearing black armbands on Sunday in tribute to Glenn Roder, obviously our former player, captain and manager, who we did a tribute to. You can find that in the retro uh, retro playlist. But um, great to hear that they're going to do that. Uh, this is a huge game. And uh, from, from our perspective, it is a proverbial six-pointer. Martin Atkinson is going to be the referee. And uh, on the VAR, it is Peter Banks. Let's hope nothing comes down to VAR with what's going on at the minute with that. Um, let's let's go to you, Ian, first. And, you know, this is a proverbial six-pointer. Eased a little bit, um, obviously, by the results last night. Fulham, of course, losing. West Brom losing. The fact that West Brom have had to play midweek as well probably hasn't hasn't helped them. That's probably counteracted by the fact that Newcastle have gone into meltdown off the pitch. Um, you, you've got to hope that potentially they're going to be able to bounce back. But um, I'm going to give you uh, a little stat before you give us your answer on, on how you see the game going. And this is a new section that we're going to have from uh, a good friend of ours, Andre. So, Toon Stato each week is going to give us some uh, some of his wisdom and uh, maybe he's a little bit of a pointer towards the game ahead. Uh, so, I asked Andrea, who's a big Newcastle fan from Bulgaria and a good friend of the show. You've probably seen him on the Worldwide Show to give us uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of information on the game ahead. And I've got to be honest, it's not a pleasant listen. Hi, Steve. Hello to all Toon fans who are watching. Um, a couple of um, curious stats around uh, Sam Allardyce and uh, his record against the Toon. In the Premier League, Newcastle has played Allardyce so far 24 games. And Newcastle has won 7, drawn 4 and lost 13. So it's a negative balance. But uh, more interestingly, ever since Allardyce left Newcastle in 2008, uh, our record against him is uh, pretty atrocious, I would say. Two wins, three draws and seven defeats. And uh, funnily enough, in both in both our relegation seasons, we lost away to some of our, our dice teams with 3-0. Uh, 2008-2009 against Blackburn and 2015-2016 against the, the Macrams. Which uh, makes the game on Sunday quite, quite interesting. Good stuff from
Thanks to Andre for doing that. Nice. I like that regular feature. That music's good, by the way, as well. So, yeah, Ian, it's not it's not great. Sam Allardyce is the proper bogeyman for Newcastle in, in this game. Well, no more no more than money was the manager, actually. Um, uh, I, I thought he was a, a real real bogeyman from our perspective um, um, then. And, um, uh, you know, uh, we've got to go there and try and get a result. Go in there and try and to actually set us, ourselves up to get a draw there will end up with us, uh, I, I believe, losing. And so, th- therefore, we've got to go there and, you know, be as optimistic as we possibly can, try and win the game and get a positive positive results. I, I think that the, the stats there um, are, are not um, are not particularly helpful. Um, but, you know, I, 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 let's let's just hope that the players aren't watching tonight and, and seeing that sort of analysis. You got some mosquitoes, Mitch? <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm being bitten to shit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd fought it. Well, you want to get one of them midgy nets that you can get in Scotland, you know, they're great, them, like, and then the midgy nets, you know. But I, I wouldn't it's, 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 wouldn't it's, work against these bastards. They're bleeding plain through anything. I must, I must admit, I spent some time in the south of France, and the and, and the mosquitoes there had crowbars. <laughs> <laughs> Little bastards, right? I put them. I, it, it, you know, we've, we've got to go there and try and get a result. This is an absolutely vital um, uh, game for us. You know, we've got games remaining this season against West Brom, Brighton. Burnley, Sheffield United and Fulham. You know, they're the teams who are around us. And, you know, we're going back earlier on about, you know, why can't we compete? And, and, and the game, the teams that Glenn Hoddle mentioned, by the way, and he didn't mention Everton, he didn't mention South, Southampton, Leeds or Palace. Honestly, we, I, I, would, I, would, I would be delighted where Palace are at the minute or Leeds or Southampton. By comparison to where we are now, we are literally looking over our shoulder and points are absolutely vital. So, you know, we can't allow this to go begging. You know, you were saying earlier on about other results going in our direction. Other results going in our direction only matters if we capitalise on it and actually get the points ourselves to, 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 to draw a gap. But if we don't do that, it's, 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 it's status quo where you were. You know, so um, you know, uh, I mean, uh, one of one of my, my mates was putting on uh, the what? Uh, uh, we've got a WhatsApp group with a bunch of mates there, and you know, he says, "Oh, if we don't win, you know, against them um, against West Brom, it's status quo, down, down, deeper, and down." And you know, <laughs> and, and, and that's exactly, I know, and that's the trouble. You know, that's that's exactly where where I see us. We've got an opportunity now because. Other games have gone by for other clubs. They haven't got the points, but we've got to get the points. Otherwise, it makes no damn difference. You've got 10 minutes to think of a dad joke to leave us with. It seems to be a request now. We might have to, we might have to get a little thing going for a dad joke of the week. Um, <laughs> Mitch, back to you then, mate. Uh, West Brom, um, it's it's a game we need to win. I hate the fact that that fat-headed misery guts is in charge of West Brom. That worries me more than anything because he loves it. He loves turning us over, even down to calling his bloody house in Spain that he bought with his payoff from the Castellanic with Casas and James's. You know, um, the, 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 the guy's snide and he's a fraud, in my opinion. 
even more so than the bloody current manager that we've got. Um, but um, it, perhaps we should settle it with a, with a bloody contest in a chip shop. Set the two managers off against each other. <laughs> see, see who taps out when you get to the fried Mars bar. I, d I don't know. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it. We've, we seem to have all the odds stacked against you now. We've, we've got injuries. We've got trouble at mill, as it were. Uh, and we're going there. This is yeah. You want to want to describe your your stereotypical six pointer, the must win games, and all of that. Um, I just hope out of that adversity, the players turn round and decide. Well, nobody's doing this for it. It's time for us to do it for ourselves and for the fans. There's so many of those players profess to have, you know great respect for the fan base and, and, and loyalty for the fans and appreciate that the fans are there and get behind them even when we can't be there um, and that's the little string of hope I'm holding to Yeah, is that there's, a, there's enough of them actually care however how many of the ones that really do care are going to be inserted in the starting lineup? Um who knows on the back of what's happened this week? Who's who's going to be putting that team by Bruce? Is he going to be selecting the best team? Or is he going to be selecting those who haven't got involved against him in the last six months? Because that would rule out both the long staffs, for starters. That would rule out um, potentially Richie and anybody else who allegedly supported Richie, like Dwight Gale. Who, you know, how does he feel? Not really. When he was given a chance, he was then stuck out on the right wing for most of the second half, you know. Um, how is he feeling at the moment? And where's his head at? Head at? And how does he feel about watching what happened between Richie and, 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 and Bruce and being allegedly one of the first people to step in and try and do something with Richie uh, and back Richie up? Uh, it, 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 the saw many variables now that I actually think I would rather watch a hot dog eating competition between Bruce and Allardyce <laughs> um, and have more have more faith in that than what might unfold tomorrow um, I mean it, 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 it's it's it's, it's going to be super frustrating I've actually booked because it kicks off at, at, at 4 o'clock our time yeah. Um, and I should, I should technically still be working then, but I've, I've got a meeting booked in the day. <laughs> I love it. Um, I love it. And, and I'll be legging it, uh, <laughs> be legging it down to Goodfellas for kickoff. Rafa <laughs> Benitez has got, yes, he did. Um, he, he called it Casa St. James's, mate. It was um, it yeah. was one of those horrendous like interviews where he came out of it and, the sudden, and, he, and he made a bit of a, a, a gag about it and he did an interview in a newspaper and, uh, yeah, it was it was awful, awful to see that. He spent, he spent about, he got about a six million pound payoff, I think, and purchased that. Uh, he spent that. Four, four of it on his house, yeah. Wow, unbelievable. Yeah. Steve? The, 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 the oh, one yeah. thing, sorry, the one, the one thing we know about, um, Sunday's game is is whatever happens and whatever the result is, Mr. Allardyce will still have a big fat heed after it. Like that's true. <laughs> There's Steve, not, not, the, not the best cosmetic surgeons in the world can correct that. 
And yeah. I speak, speak, I speak as a medical professional. <laughs> I, I see. You know what it is, Steve. I see this as kings of the sacrius. This is th these two are kings of the sacrius, aren't they? You know, that, that's what they are. You look at Allardyce. I mean, Bolton, Newcastle. Uh, whereas uh, West Ham, Sunderland, England, Palace, Everton. Um, then you look at you look at. I think I think he was at. Was he at Blackburn as well? Then you look at you look at the other side. You look at Sheffield United, Huddersfield, Wigan, Palace, Birmingham, Wigan again, Sunderland, Hull, Villa, Sheffield, <laughs> Sheffield Wednesday. These two guys they've been sacked from more jobs than you've ever known. And you're talking about you're talking about Casa whatever you know. I mean, I, between them, I bet you they've earned more money from being sacked than they would have yep. in that entire playing career, quite frankly. These guys have made an art form of being sacked and taking compensation. They really have. It's it's beyond a joke now. And this is what football's all about. And people are people are, are saying why does why does why does Mike Ashley not want to sell them? The article in the in the in the Chronicle earlier in the week said that if they sacked Bruce it would cost four million pounds. Now I presume that includes a payoff to yeah. Coaches. I think that's, that's all the coaches as well, mate. I yeah, followed them on a on on the meal ticket for the last three or four clubs, if not more, that they've been to. You know, Steve Agnew and and, and Steve Clements, but four million pound to get rid of them. And to be perfectly honest, from what I've seen over the last few weeks and the utterance that has come out from Steve Bruce, I think he's begging to be sacked. He's desperate to be sacked. He wants to be sacked. His son wants him sacked. The family want him sacked. The stories that are coming out. Probably Luke Edwards now wants him sacked. You know, this is this is where we're at. You know, even his friends want him sacked because, the, honestly, and as I said right at the very beginning, I think the man is so close to a breakdown, it's unbelievable. And somebody needs to take him to one side and, and help him. You know, and because it, it's not doing any favors, and if if he if the if the family really want, they would just say, "It's dad, just resign, just walk away, just leave it. It's not doing your health any good. It's certainly not doing the fans' health any good. But more importantly, it's not doing his health any good. He should just walk. You cannot carry on in the sacrifice in the manner that these two managers have done." For years and years and years. Was he at Hull when he did that press conference where he obviously was just a broken man? Yeah. And 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 he couldn't answer the questions. He just stared at the desk. Yeah. And 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 I, and I genuinely can see a press conference like that coming up. Yeah. Because I tell you what, if today's press conference had been in the flesh not in this controlled Zoom environment where somebody lets the people in to ask that question. I think it'd have been ripped apart. Yeah, I think they'd have been like piranhas at him because I think there's enough of the press corps are pissed at him for banning Craig Hope for telling yeah. the truth. Yeah, and you know what, Mitch? I'm not. Say I'm not saying this because I want to like create a headline or I want. No. to I'm trying. I genuinely worry 
I honestly genuinely worry of, of, in situations like this of the pressure that people put themselves under, not just the pressure that other people put, but the pressure that people put themselves under in these situations. And I don't think it's fair to themselves. I don't think it's fair to their family. I, I, honestly, I, it, it really does worry me. And I'm saying this from the heart. I'm saying this because I genuinely believe it, that people should not be... Um, dragged into work time and time again, day after day, into the situation that he's now finding themselves mm. without family taking you to one side and saying, I think you need a break. I think you need a rest. I think you need to look at this, Dad, you know? Yeah. I, I, I would, I would believe that. Sorry, I, I would believe that, Steve, if I thought he cared, but I'm not really sure he cares. You know, well, I'm, I'm, well, he's, he's on, a, on a lucrative pay packet and I'm not convinced that he cares. And, you know, I think you might be right that he, he'd be over the moon if he got sacked and got paid off and his contract paid up. But, um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure that, that, he, that he cares. I, I think he would put more time and effort and thought. And I know I've questioned his um, intellectual capacity, but I, I think he would put more time and effort and thought into his press conferences if he cared, but I don't think he does. Yeah, but that that's it. That's that's a that's a good way of putting it, Ian. And and I think that that again that shows that there's a there's there's a total disconnect from the reality of of where mm. we are and where he is as a person at well, the moment in 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 sort of a mental state. And I think that you know if this was any other industry and you are working in it, and you, if, for example, if you saw if you saw someone in Parliament that you thought was was you know, under so much intense pressure, you would take him to one side, and you would, you know, you would you would have a quiet word, or you would you would you would have a word with it with with his aides or with his team or whatever, you know, or her team, and and that's just human nature. That's the way that that, that we are as people. But in football, it seems to be just let it carry on and carry on and carry on, uh, and 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 allow the situation to fester, and. It's it's a situation we've seen it with we've seen it with ex players who have have cracked up after they've been playing football when they've got nothing to come back to, and and but we've never we've never had a situation where a manager has completely cracked. Oh, I suppose the nearest has probably been Kenny Dalglish. Um, after everything he had to go through with Hillsborough, um, he attended every single funeral. He, he, you know, he, 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 he was a he was a broken man. It, it took him up, it took him a time out, and then going back to Blackburn and rebuilding himself, etc. And the family and the support that he got from his family at the time. And you, and you listen to you listen to Kelly and the stories that, that that she talked of in in that particular time and the way that the family embraced her dad and the way that the club embraced him. You know, and the fans to a certain extent. Um, and it, and it's sad that that you know so, sometime at some point there's going to be a tragedy when it comes to to mental health with with football managers and I think you know that, that this is what this is why I'm I'm you know sort of I'm speaking not because I I, I have any you know not not because of if I want rid of him you know it's not that that, that yes I may I may not want him as the manager of football club but in this particular instance I'm saying it because I genuinely feel. That there is a massive, massive problem, regardless Steve. of his ability on football. You know, as a manager, you and I have talked for a long time about problems in in football, and and particularly financial problems in football. Yeah. We've now probably spent the best part of eighteen months talking to people in the game at various levels um, about many, many different things. Um, 
But the thing that keeps coming up is financial impropriety and difficulties with, with money in football. Football repeatedly is the only only game and only profession I can think of that repeatedly rewards failure in 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 a in a bizarre way. If I was working in the UK and I underperformed in a, in in such a manner that somebody decided, right, I'm going to terminate your contract. I wouldn't get a penny of compensation. And I'd probably also get a trip with the General Dental Council to have me, me fitness to practice investigated. Yeah. Um and, and I know people who've had fitness to practice procedures brought against good people, good dentists, clinically very, very good people who've been pulled up on quite bizarre what in my opinion are minutiae of things. Um, but then because of the way the, the rules are written they have to go through a fitness to practice procedure. Um, and there's nothing like that in football. What they do in football is the sacking and then compensate. Yeah. You have, you, you have been, you have been crap. Here's your money. Very well done. Yeah, but there's and, a whole host of them. There I was, you know, Kirbishly. Kirbishly was one. You had um, Tony Poulos, uh, you know, Alan Pardew, you know, Mark Hughes, you know, that old age. And I think that's probably what what pleases me is to see the likes of Stephen Gerrard, Frank Lampard, actually getting a chance in the modern game now. We're seeing young coaches come through. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah it, you know, Neil Lennon, um, you know, different people of a younger age getting the opportunity to come through. Even those who haven't been as successful, but like Scott Parker, um, yeah. Eddie Howe, you know, it's younger people coming through. We're, we're seeing the end of that era and eventually, you know, people like Bruce and Allardyce will be extinct in the game. It's seven o'clock. I know Ian's got to go. Um, Ian, give us a, a prediction for the match on Sunday. Um, I've got an awful feeling it'll be a one-one draw. Okay, well that's not going to be that wouldn't be wouldn't be the biggest nightmare. But yeah, one-one draw. And have you got a dad joke before you leave? With uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> see that your dad your dad jokes are better when they're not prepared. It's, no, see, you're put under pressure there by, by the watchers. I know, but I, I, I just I should also add, you know, and I was saying to the lads before, I, I do apologise. I'm, I'm, I'm not on me full metal tonight. I'm, I had me, I had me COVID vaccine yesterday, and to be honest, I'm feeling crap. <laughs> good stuff. Well, listen, you have a good week. I hope you're uh, firing all cylinders for next week. We'll get you back, Ian. We're not going to change the name of the show. We're just going to call it the Three Amigos Brackets and Ian Brackets. So I think that's perfect. Well, I mean, as I, as I was saying on Twitter this morning, um, I'm, 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 I'm delighted to have the, the, the spotlight, but I've, I've come to the conclusion that you three get me on here just to make you three look good. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, have a good week, mate. Um, speak to you soon. Take care, pal. Take, Take care, care, everybody. Cheers, 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 Bye-bye. Great to have Ian on. Good banter, good crack. And, uh, yeah. I, 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 he I, is... Yeah, he is well, the dar- he is he is the d'Artagnan to the three musketeers, man. That's he what de- he is. He yeah, definitely yeah. is. He's very good. As you know, we always have uh, regular sections mentioned it a little bit earlier, and uh, as always, we have. And this one's overloaded this week. Is it not? This is where Steve gets his specs on, and hey, I have to. You know what? Even though I've seen them all, I still want, I still want to look at them again, and I still want to read them out, Steve. That's it's just absolutely brilliant, man. You know, the, the, 
Twitter is a, we've always said Twitter's a horrible place at times, but Twitter can be such a funny, humorous when when the fans show that humor, the terrorist humor, the the, the the fun banter, that's what it's all about. And I think what we've done in this with you know, there's there's a there's a fun side, there's a there's a joke you said, there's a serious side, everything we do um as Newcastle fans. But you know, let's just put a put a little bit. It might be dark, some of it. It might be humorous. It might be fun. But uh, let's go with it and see what we get, Steve. All right. Well, uh, random. We'll go, we'll go. We'll go in no particular order. I know what your winner is, but uh, this this was one from somebody who isn't a Newcastle fan. Yes. <laughs> Anyone who's been on level seven and understand this one, looking down his stairs with his laptop stuck at the bottom, and he's looking down. He's seen. He's gutted. There's a West West. A Wolverhampton Wanderers fan, I'm gutter we can't be in the wee end at St James's Park tonight, so I've improvised. And he's watching, the, he's watching the match on his laptop from the top of the stairs. Absolutely brilliant. Well done. Well done, Jack. <laughs> I, I like that one. That was very good. Right. Uh, when asked about it, Bruce stated, <laughs> well, you know, he shouted, Steve, you're a coward. But there's 15 Steves at this club and it could have been any one of us. So I take encouragement from that. I think he's th- I think that, I think we're included in that one, Steve. <laughs> yeah, very good, that one. And then we've got, uh, nice to see Bruce has hired a detective to, uh, <laughs> on par with his abilities as a head coach to find out who the mysterious leak is at the club. And then we've got Inspector Cluzo. You know what, it'll take Inspector Cluzo to try and find out who this leak is, although I think uh, myself, Neil, probably yourself and Stuart Penman have probably sifted out by now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And then we've got this one, obviously, again, the search for the mole continues at the catering department, uh, where Gladys, who makes the, t- makes the tease, faces some stiff questioning regarding her whereabouts on Tuesday afternoon when the club officially ran out of biscuits. And we've got uh, the character is obviously the character that was played by uh, by a, a, a northeast connection there, Steve. I think he was from, was he from Corbridge? Rowan Atkinson. Uh, yeah, he's from uh, Corbridge, wasn't he? He went to Royal Grammar. He yeah. went to Royal Grammar School. Yeah. He's from Corbridge, you know. Um, was that uh, May Gray? Was May that Gray, the... that's right, yeah. May Gray, yeah. Uh, yeah, so very good. Uh, and then this one, uh, oh, Liam. Liam Kennedy. <laughs> Boss Steve Brutes minutes apart, commenting on Miguel Arreo's injury. Uh, this guy, for Miggy to come off and in the state he is in, uh, we fear the worst. To the written press, let's hope it's not as bad. It's too early to speculate now how serious it was. Uh, yeah. You know what? <laughs> you know what, Steve? What, what's worrying about that is it, those, those interviews are, are five minutes apart. And, wow. and again, we talk about pressure. We talk about not knowing what you're saying. We talk about blurting stuff out. But that, yeah. that's five minutes apart. That and that, is. That's scary. That's worrying, you know. It, it is. It's verbal, di- it's verbal diarrhea of the worst kind. Yeah, but it's, it's, not, it's not been in control. Uh, that's what it is it's not being controlled it's not being supported either by the football club um, and it's not being in control of what of, of where you are you're, you're, you're completely uh, distant from, from everything now you know here's your winner Steve here's the winner <laughs> just just got to the NUFC training ground not changed much since 2007 what a mess I don't know who it is I think that looks like it says Gandhi's but it could well be Billy Smart Circus for all I know Steve but uh, it is a circus isn't it an absolute complete and utter circus uh, because the, the, you, you just you just could not there was a pro, there was a 
there was a play on in in the in the the, the early early twenty tens, wasn't there? You you cannot make you wouldn't couldn't make it up. And yes. I think how many how many times have the writers said that they could have they could have completely rewritten the story, but kept exactly the same script and just changed the dates and changed the names when it comes to Newcastle United. <laughs> and it's true. It's absolutely true. And anyone who went to the playhouse or the, the little theatre to watch watch that at the time will know exactly what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Bruce, uh, ADB says Rowan Atkinson was from Shotley Bridge. We knew oh, he was from the north. But, uh, somebody who somebody who got a geography GCSE there. <laughs> Davis Reader, well done. You have got tweet well of the week. few comments coming in uh, Billy Gaddis whatever the current situation is I think people are washed out with negative years of the Ashley Empire and they keep praying that this uh, keep praying that this empire yeah. will one day strike back please God it's overdue uh, well Sutton well yeah, says Bruce may not be good with the PR aspect when talking to journos however he isn't stupid he isn't going to walk away from a job when he knows if he holds on he could be showing the door with a nice couple of million uh, lots of people saying that uh, Rowan Atkinson is from different places Stockfield's been mentioned now <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know he's from the northeast. That's it. We know yes. that much. Let's just stick, stick with programmer. Stick stick with the generic stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Stick stick with the generic stuff. Yeah. Um, look, we've got we've got twenty odd minutes left. Um, you know we've calmed down a little bit. I think on the takeover and stuff like that. And uh, if anyone's got any burning issues that they want us to discuss, then feel free. I'll get a prediction off the lads before we uh, before we finish tonight. Uh, Steve, I do want to touch on something which has affected you this week and it, it and you know it's it's an ongoing matter which you know we've talked a little bit about trolling but we've had, you've had attempts on your account this week you know people trying to hack into your account I, I'm, I'm i'm interested in in that really because why on earth would anybody bother to do that you know it, it, is it is it takeover related do you think is it because you've got an opinion on that which people don't agree with what what do you think it is uh, you know what steve it, it, it baffles me at times i mean Basically, that people have been trying to hack me my Twitter account, um, and why they would want to do that? Because they're not going to find anything in it anyway. I don't know whether it's because that that people have sussed out that I know I know Keith Patterson from NCSL. Um, you know, we had Keith on the show and, and Keith spoken at, at length, and you know, I, right at the very beginning when he first came on, you know, we said that that Keith was a friend of mine or Keith was an acquaintance of of, of Neil and myself. And we went back as far as save our seats and the the, the yep. start in USC. Um, whether whether or not people have just sort of like latched onto that and they think that that by by attacking me they'll, they'll, they're having a good Keith. Coincidentally, the attacks that have happened on my account have happened at exactly the same time as attacks have happened on Keith's account. Mm. And I know that because I communicate with Keith and Keith. On a number of occasions, at like, past like, seven we, like we don't all talk to each other, like you know. That's right, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, at half past six, seven o'clock in the morning, or half past seven, you get a message. And was your account? Did someone try to get into your account at six forty-two, or at seven twenty-nine, or you know, at, at, at eight forty-six, or whatever? And this is this has happened continuously over the last few weeks. And not only that, but it's like. Keith, how many times did they try and hack into your account? Because they tried to hack into mine. Uh, Ten. Oh, that's exactly the same number of attempts that were done at mine. And so it goes on. And so it's not like it's not just some sort of randomized thing. You know, this is this is this is the same people and this is organized. This is some this is this is and it baffles me, you know. I'm just 
I'm just a bloke who done a podcast, you know, with you as a guest. Yeah. I'm just who runs the, you know, was one of the one of the three lads who set up NUFC Fans Food Bank um, outside the ground because we just were the ones that had the idea that's then been taken on by God knows how many other people who support it 10 times more than I do and put 10 times more effort in than I do over, over the weeks and months um, and, and turn up religiously outside St. James's Park. But for some reason, they've, they've, they've decided to latch onto me and 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 think that they can get into get into NCSL. I spoke to Keith today about it again. You know, on, on I've, why it's happening, I don't know. I know what we're going to do. To, what we're doing to stop it. I know. I know how to make sure that it, it, it's not going to affect me in the future. I've, you know, but it's the hassle, Steve. The continuously changing of passwords. The continuously looking at the rest of your other accounts and wondering what people are up to. Um, perhaps I need to speak to Spider VPN, and maybe I need to get myself a, a, a VPN and, well, and and protect myself that way. I don't know, you know. But something I've not something I've not mentioned mentioned to you yet, you guys yet, is somebody had a go at my Google account today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is it connected? Don't know, because I know there's lots of attacks from. Lots of parts of the world, and particularly out here, yeah. Um, some of the stuff that goes between some of the JCC countries and associated countries in the region um, is it may just be somebody fishing for bank account details or whatever. You you just never know. No. But in the in, in, while we're in the middle of talking about people having to go at certain accounts, for me to get alerts from Google today was a bit like odd. Um, but and I, I, I've watched. The conversation with you and, and, and Keith and stuff you've been telling us about it, particularly when you're both getting attacks literally within seconds of each other, not even minutes. Um, that stinks. That's that's beyond weird, because what other connection is that to make, other than the fact that we've all discussed things on this show and and other shows. Um, and we've all communicated via Twitter. Um, it, it, it beggars belief that that could be somebody within our fan base trying to do something like that, which is, you know, we've talked about divisions. We've, we've dealt with it first time. Go back to when we were NUSC and getting accused of all sorts by people outside the ground. We talked about it on here a few weeks ago, probably Peter Whitfield nearly getting arrested for handing out leaflets outside the, outside the ground, you know, and Tom Lynch, who contributes here quite a lot, and Tom had a load of hassle one day doing something, you know, and he did all sorts for NUSC, stroke NUST, you know, proper foot soldier if you want to, want to, want to tag someone, you know, top boy. And you know, and 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 then we had it as NUST going out and doing the roadshows and being questioned about the minutiae of everything about why people should get on board with it and what we were trying to do. So I understand, I understand the the the, the fan base division, and it's only been accentuated during the Ashley years. We've talked about this at length, so we don't need to talk about it that much more. But is this where we've got? Where people are trying to do stuff online, to for what end and why? What's yeah. the ultimate eventual purpose of it? And who does it serve and why? It, it to me, it's just ridiculous and beyond petty. 
It's crazy. It's crazy. It really is. Well, as I say, I wanted to bring it up, Steve, because uh, people should know, you know, the kind of kind of crap that you've got to go through sometimes. And uh, P. Davidson says you should definitely get VPN and use it on all your devices if you're getting attacked like that. So I'll put you in touch with Gareth. He did offer. Uh, uh, he did offer. So uh, I will. I will have a chat with him. Uh, let's get onto the. Uh, let's get onto the quiz, Steve, um, because uh, we're running out of time, um, and I do want to touch on the food bank T-shirt as well. Uh, so. The quiz, which is uh, win something tasty with Hasty, three amigos, big prize giveaway, comes to an end tonight. Win £100 worth of JD Sports vouchers. And John from qtechshop.co.uk is watching tonight, so he will be ready. Um, and it's the first person to get the correct answer in the chat. So your first clue was? Lawn. Yeah. Tainbridge picture and lawn. That was your second uh, picture yeah 495 appearances and 31 goals yeah that was your third clue yeah obviously played for Newcastle Steve <laughs> he obviously played for Newcastle so Steve Hasty, it is over oh. to you to give us the third and final clue and of course the person who gives the answer the correct answer to this uh, in the chat tonight wins those £100 vouchers and John from QTech will be in touch with you. So over to you, Steve. Yeah, I can see a few names rattling through there. People have already identified who the player is. But the question isn't who the player is, but who did the player that you've seen in the photograph uh, by the previous clues, who did he score his first Premier League goal against? His first ever Premier League goal against. Who was it against? Which team in the Premier League? That's the question, Steve. So that player on the photograph, his very first Premier League goal, who did he score it against? Okay. Do you have the answer or does John? I have the answer, yeah. Okay. Well, there's plenty of answers coming in. Uh, Davy Tate says Newcastle. James James Dean's now out. So it's a team we're looking for. Paul Jameson, he says Newcastle. Chris yeah. Dixon says Newcastle. Have we got a winner yet? No. We're waiting for we're waiting. Well, we've got a winner. We've got we've got We've got plenty of winning answers popping up, but what we need is we need John from QTech to tell us who popped up first. Okay, well, I'm presuming by by my by my reckoning it would be David Tate, but we're over to John. Um, so is yeah. Newcastle the answer? Newcastle is the answer, and obviously okay. the player was Keith Gillespie. So his first goal in the Premier League was against the club, who he probably had his finest sort of. Um, Barcelona. Yeah, he's he's you know the games against the games for Newcastle. I think his career was at his best playing for Newcastle. Not not for Blackburn, not for Sheffield United, not for Manchester United. Although I did mention what almost been six or seven weeks ago on a on a on a program that when I went to Man United to watch Newcastle play and got stuck in the Stratford end um, because I bought I got a ticket given by one of the uh, the lads who was in the uh, Manchester United Irish Supporters Club. Uh, who I worked with at uh, the ministry at Long Bend at the time. And uh, during, during that game, where I had to sit on my hands and pretend I wasn't from Newcastle, virtually that entire section of the Stratford end, which was the Irish contingent, um, was screaming for uh, Gillespie to be played in, instead of uh, Ryan Giggs. That was the scream. It was a Newcastle game, by the way. Uh, I think it was the game where we ended up getting beat 2-0 and Gillespie came on and laid a, laid a goal on. But uh, yeah, that, that's that's how that's how good the Man United player, uh, Man United fans thought, or that particular section of Man United fans thought about Keith Gillespie. 
Um, but I think we saw the best of Keith Gillespie playing in a black yeah, and white perfectly honest. And I think Keith, would, you know, having, having, having spoken to him about it, I think Keith would probably agree. You know, it was, it, he was, and, he, and he's a smashing lad and a great player. Was it, was it two of Tino's goals he set up against Barcelona? Yeah, both crosses. So, it. Yeah, I, yeah, both crosses. Obviously, we got the penalty that, that, that Tino was brought down for that he scored. But I, I don't think if, I don't think in, in, in your castinated history, you'll see two finer crosses of the ball he, against such high-class opposition. By the way, he had during that time it was about a four-five month period either side of that Barcelona game where yeah. he was almost as a winger unplayable. Yeah, he, he would do. He would turn fullbacks inside out, and it didn't matter whether he was on the right or the left either. It just he just would take fullbacks to bits. You know, you'd know, have you'd have a, well, a fullback trying to jockey him to the outside on the left, and he would find a way to get inside. You'd have a fullback on the right that he would just burn. Yeah. You know, and, and, and he had a, a glorious period. Yeah. And you're right, probably his finest period as a footballer. Yeah. I think the other thing that you had with Keith Gillespie was he was one of those natural wingers who wanted to go at the byline. Yes. And get us from the byline. We now see the yeah. tippy tippy football of Man United, a uh, Man City rather, that was especially we saw in midweek. And yes, they get to the byline, but they get the byline with like five yard passes. You know, they're playing the ball around and it's a five yard pass and someone cuts the ball back into the six yard box. But with Gillespie, Gillespie would get the ball, you know, 18, 20, 30 yards out and he'd run with it. He'd take the full back on, he'd beat him for pace beat him for skill, and he'd get that byline and pull that ball back, which I suppose in in, in in a certain period was like, that gave Tino plenty time to catch him up, didn't it? Because he was going so far and the ball was coming so far back. But but that's what that's what Keith Gillespie gave to you. That was that unique that unique wing and, winger style. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I think in, in the natural game, it's something that Shearer benefited from when he was at Blackburn because he had two natural wingers that could do that, could get the byline and cross the ball. Oh, certainly, you know, Wilcox and, and, and it, it certainly a Blackpool was good Ripley. at that. Ripley and Wilcox, the one on the other side, yeah. Oh, and, that, yeah. and that and 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 players like Led Ferdinand benefit from that. Players like Shearer benefit. I think, from that. I, I think for me, the death of the the, the proper winger was the introduction of people getting obsessed with stats because somebody somebody showed that in in, in swinging crosses produced more goals yeah. so that was the birth of the inverted winger it, um, it, it was also david it, beck who who didn't who didn't want to run to the byline and got the crossover it, who, yeah. who had the ability to put that cross in early and ping that yeah. ball because he was lucky enough to have a player like andy cole um or, or dwight uh, dwight york who was playing yeah. the ball or Teddy Sheridan, who he could play it onto, and then the ball would be knocked back. But you're right, you know, the, the, the art of the winger. Uh, Gillespie was probably one of our last ones to get the byline and put decent crosses. He was, he, he was pro pro probably one of the last proper wingers, full stop. Yeah. For me. You've gone quiet, Yeah, yeah, the microphone went David, David Tate, uh, well done. You've won the competition. You've won the £100 worth of vouchers from qtechshop.co.uk. So you just get in touch with him. And uh, congratulations to John, who's won his own T-shirt. Uh, full metal jacket. Uh, the NUFC Matters T-shirt has gone for 75 <laughs> That's gone for £75, uh, and that goes to the food bank. So if you just want to get in touch with Steve, John, you've bid, yep. bid for your own T-shirt, and that money's going to the food bank. So that's great. Uh, I do want to say um, 
Uh, well done and thank you uh, to Chris from the Worldwide Show and who joins us uh, quite often on the, uh, the Match Day Live as well. He also is part of the now Loaded Football team who have that own channel. Yeah. Um, he has d He's donated these little beauties to the Food Bank and we're going to stick these on my uh, Twitter. Nice. So if you follow me at Steve Wraith on Twitter... Uh, Bobby Robson's autobiography, um, well, two of his autobiographies, and the Just Call Me Bobby DVD. Uh, one of the books uh, is actually signed, um, which is a rarity. Uh, that's wow. a lovely a lovely thing to have. Bobby Robson, farewell, but not goodbye. My autobiography, and it's actually signed by Bobby Robson. And I'm well going to bid on that for the food bank tonight. But if you follow me at Steve Wraith on Twitter, I'll stick that up. Get your bids in. It'll be up all week and uh, we will announce the winner of that at the end of the programme next week. Uh, but Steve, um, going well, isn't it, the food bank stuff? Oh, you know what, Steve? Because we're not, a, because we're not on Strawberry Place, programmes like this and, and the, the rest of the shows have been an absolute godsend. I mean, the amount of money that's been raised from the T-shirts, from the donations... Um, and then what, what John at QTech has put in place with the with the virtual bucket, which has been an absolute godsend, you know, it, it's it's fantastic, you know. It's a it's a massive help. And it, it everybody we know everybody's going through hard times and what, what John has done is given us the from the from the, the fans food bank perspective the ability to to add another string to our bow uh, in terms of the ability the manner in which we can collect um, where fans can just drop, you know, whatever little amount the, the, that they can into into the virtual bucket on match days, um, or with the likes of the t-shirts and the t-shirts. I mean, you know, seventy-five pound for a t-shirt uh, is is remarkable. And I think, if I'm if I'm honest to you, I I think we're up to well over two and a half thousand pounds that has come from uh, the Toon Matters family and and supporters uh, through your programs over the last year. Um, in fact, probably less than that, less than a year, um, which is remarkable, absolutely remarkable. And you know, every penny goes back into, to you know, feeding families in the northeast, um, supporting families who are struggling. And there are more and more families struggling in the northeast. The longer that the lockdown goes on, the longer that that people are furloughed, the longer that that this whole situation has resulted in people losing their jobs. Um, so thank you to everybody who's supporting it. And, and if you can continue to support it, that will be absolutely fantastic. We want nothing more than to be able to A, be at St. James's Park again on Strawberry Place on a match day. But ultimately, we would rather not be there. Um, but while there's a need, while there's a cause, while there's a demand, we will continue to carry on doing what we do to support the West End Food Bank and the other food banks around the city that are now affiliated with the West End Food Bank. Um, and you know what, Steve? A big hand to you, because I know the amount of work and the amount of effort that you've put in yeah. uh, to help with this, uh, because you've done it off your own bat, and nobody asked you to do it. You approached us and said, this is what we, we think we can do to help the guys, uh, to help the food bank to help the work that those people are doing. So thank you very much, Steve. Uh, and I mean that from the bottom of my and heart. Thanks, and thanks to John from QTech, mate, because John Absolutely. John, John yeah. has put so much to, you know, time and effort into this. And he's he's the one producing the T-shirts. I can't take all the credit. I give him the platform, but he came up with the yeah. idea. So well done to John. He's the one who's uh, come up with this. 
He's donated two wonderful prizes over the last two months as well to people on the show. Being a massive godsend for us. He's done loads of video stuff for us. And, you know, he's done it off his own back because he enjoyed the shows. Same same as the guys, you know, who've come on and sponsored us all the way through. So a big, big shout out to John. Gary Milliken's come out with the Dad of the Week joke. How do you stop a circus? Gan for the juggler. <laughs> very good very good definitely a dad's joke that um predictions lads before we finish um steve you first you know what i, I looked at the i actually went well william was talking i wrote down what i thought the options were on a team and i and i thought you know what well obviously I, i'd stick the bravka and goal i would stick it's a toss-up between whether Mankilo's fit or whether you play Hayden at right back I would play Dummett ahead of Lewis, if I'm perfectly honest. I'd want to tighten up com- completely on both wings. Um, Clark and either Fernandez or Lascelles, that's the option. If, if, honestly, if Fernandez was fit, I would play him ahead of Lascelles. Um, up front, I would play Gale and Carroll. You know, I think we've got no option. You've got to go for it. And if I'm looking at way, if I'm looking at centre midfield, if I'm going to play Manquillo, then I'd play Hayden in, in centre. If I'm playing Hayden at fullback, I'd play one of the long staffs. Probably Matty uh, in a holding role. Uh, I'd play Willigan way, way up front behind Gail and Carroll, and I'd play one of the long, the other long staff, Sean, and I'd play Fraser. That would be my team. Whether or not Bruce will go for that team, I don't know. <laughs> we'll soon find out uh, by twelve o'clock tomorrow. Um, I'll be looking at the fantasy team as well on that one, by the way. But Sunday, you know mate. Sunday. Sunday, sorry. It's a, it's a must-win game, though, Steve. I, I know people have said there's 10 more games or 12 more games or whatever it happens to be. But to me, it's a must-win game because of what, what it can what it can mean psychologically, especially after the week we've had. I hope we can get a win. I think we can go down there and get a win. I think the players can be galvanised and, and start to realise that they're fighting for themselves and they're fighting for the fans if we can do it, if we can get there. Um, you know what? I'm going to go for I'm going to go for a two nil win away home, away from wow. home, a two nil win. You know, I'm really putting my neck on the line there. On <laughs> Fair enough, mate. Go on, the Mitch. Over to you. Now, people are going to think me and Mister Hasty have been talking about this because I'm going to tell you now. I was going to give exactly the same prediction. Apropos of nothing, I think our players are going to turn around and say, "Fuck this." We're going to do this for the fans because I think the players he's going to have out on the pitch give a shit, not about him, about us. And I, I genuinely think we're going to see some sort of bizarre revival of players that care. Um, and I don't care who's picked. I can't. I, Look, we can't predict who's picked because we don't know who he's fallen out with recently, who he's <laughs> fallen back in with recently, and what the big Bruce randomizer is going to pull out of the bloody lottery ball selection thing he seems to do. So, so you know... Um, moonshine. I'm on the brown ale, man. <laughs> That's so, the equivalent of moonshine, isn't it? <laughs> somebody somewhere in that squad and a lot more players than I think we realise actually care including people who are the quote-unquote mole. Why is he doing that? Why is the mole doing that? Is it a personal thing because he feels, he feels like he's been slighted by Bruce? Or is it because he sees a bigger picture and he says, look, you guys deserve to know what's going on behind the scenes. And if it's the latter, there's a core of players who care, who still care. 
And that's what all we want is people to care. And so come on then, lads. Shows I know us. We we've been told this week some of the players watch us. So come on then, lads. Show show us your care. Stuff him upstairs. Stuff anybody else upstairs. Charlie, who's gone here, wall the man, the owner, whose hands off. If you care, do it for us. Do, do it for us. Lee Charlie missing. He's been missing from St James's Park since January 2020. Any information on his whereabouts, please call Mike Ashley at Newcastle United. And if and if you as players think you can go to him and get something sorted out, you're far mistaken. You're far yeah. more mistaken. Yeah. The no. only people, only people, players can do it for, is us. So yeah. how are you, lads? Let's see it. And, and put your, and put your cards are... on the table because I just have. Yeah, these lads are good players, you know. I know, I know, we we slag yes. them off. These are good players. These are professionals. These are good footballers, you know, individually and collectively. All we need is somebody yes. to put them in, galvanize them into a team. And if it means somebody, that they galvanize themselves, fair enough. Do it, lads. Do it. Somebody to lead it. Oh, yeah. Shows who your leaders are. Who's your leaders? Look, I, I, you know I'm critical of Andy Carroll, but I would rather see Andy Carroll on the pitch giving 100% than, than see Joe Linton on the pitch going through the motions because he's clearly not a Premier League footballer. I'd like to see Paul Dummett playing in the team because he's a Geordie yeah. and he, he knows that 100%, he'll give 100% in that black and white shirt and he'll help, us, he'll help keep us up. I'm afraid that's where we're at now. Um, and if you, play those, if you play those players on Sunday... Ultimately, we'll get a result. You need to play. He needs. He needs to put the argument aside with Matt Ritchie. He needs to play Matt Ritchie at the weekend if he's going to get. If he's going to get a result, a standard chance of getting a result, he needs to play him. And if he doesn't, you know where he's at. Yes. Yes. Unfortunately, he's going to have to grow up as well with uh, you know the mm. whole Longstaff situation. He's going to yeah. have to. He's going to have to bring them back into the fold. Uh, Sean Longstaff and Matty Longstaff disgraceful the way that they have been treated we all, we all ever, know we all know did he ever think when he threw Sean under the bus that Matty wouldn't turn around and say fuck you as well it's yeah. absolutely crazy oh, oh, yeah. they're, they're brought up in the bloody witty bay ice hockey background of yeah. stand your ground play it together the dad's no, the dad's no mug. The dad, the dad's no mug he's a great um, he's a great lad they're, they're an amazing that. family they're a lovely family that Uncle Darren I know very well, and he's a superb bloke. And that permeates through the whole family. And yeah, yeah. and anyone proper, who, people, anyone... proper people who do things the right way and yeah. to treat them that way is nothing short of scandalous. And and I think that that bloody cabbage knows it. Yeah. You know what? I remember Sean when he was injured last season. Sean walked up the food bank. There was still when we we're still allowed to stand at the food bank stand on Strawberry Place. Sean walked up, no airs and graces, no bad, nothing. He walked up. He was he was still the lad was still having to wear flip flops, and he walked up and he just handed a bag over. He nod, he nudged, he winked, he acknowledged, and he walked away. And we just said thanks very much, and that's all he wanted. There was yeah. no show. There was no entourage. There was nothing. That's. That's a lad. That's a lad who knows his place, knows knows his community, knows his city, knows how because he's a fan, because he because he, he gets it, he gets it, absolutely gets it. And there are loads of other players, loads of other players in that squad. Those players get it. Those players just need galvanised and they need supported and they need helped. They need coached. 
and and they need a togetherness, and I think they'll have that togetherness. I hope they've got togetherness, and that's why I think they'll go out and put a performance in on Sunday. They I need, they need, uh, they need Bruce out, and they need uh, Graham Jones to take over till the end of the season, and that'll help. Yeah, that'll that'll, gal- that'll galvanise them. And sort it out. <laughs> Listen, lads, we've run over time, but uh, yeah. as always, a great show. Big thanks to you two guys. Big thanks to Ian. Uh, big thanks to Andre uh, for becoming a regular with his little statue stuff. Really enjoyed that. And as always, thanks to everybody watching. Record figures again tonight. Um, thanks you to you all in the chat. Have a good weekend, and don't let the football spoil it. Talking to myself again But it's the only